Oh, hello. Hello, friend. Uh, <laughs> let's see what you've done. Uh, Welcome to another edition of Open Access. The podcast that looks at our agency and industry through the lens of culture and society today. Exciting. Um, this week's podcast is something that is dear, once again, to <laughs> mine and Amanda's hearts because we are going to be talking about um, friendships in the workplace. Can you be friends with an employee? This will come as a surprise to no one. Amanda and I are friends outside work. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. I know. I know you are all confused. <laughs> Um, so we thought we, uh, Amanda sent me a link to an article in the Harvard Business Review talking about it. So we thought this would be a nice topic for us to discuss. It's a little bit lighthearted, perhaps, more so than some of our other podcasts. Absolutely. Which are equally important. Um, so I guess the first thing to say, Amanda, is you're the boss. Can you be friends with employees? I really hope so. And the reason I do is because nothing I'm going to say here is going to be really mind-blowing. We spend so much time at work that I think if we were to remain in these bubbles of professionalism that I think were created for certain memes and are of a different time now, we would probably have less of an enjoyable experience. And I think that we would really be limiting ourselves if we couldn't find friendships at work. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. Yeah, and I also think that we're on such a mission, especially, um, this will also probably come as no surprise to any of you all, I'm older than Tinny. Um, so um, my generation obsessively courts millennials and Gen Zs and talks and does a lot of navel gazing about like, how do we retain these people? How do we find them? How do we become attractive? And I think all of those people are looking for more purpose in their work life mm. than just coming in and banking the hours and leaving yeah. and, and being in a very professional state of mind, which doesn't mean that there's not a case for professionalism, but I yeah. think that the issue of being friends at work, I think that's something that really drives our culture and is, is seen as a real benefit to prospective employees. I agree. And actually, that was going to be my next question, mm. is what do you think are the real benefits on a personal level, which I think you've outlined a little bit here, but mm -hmm. also from a client perspective, I think particularly if we think about our industry and creativity. Well, what I think is interesting is that some of the friendships that start at work extend into the client realm. And I know, Tinny, that you and I have commented on this. I think when clients are in pitch scenarios and they're evaluating us mm -hmm. and they see that we have nice chemistry, that appeals to them because they also seek to have nice chemistry. Everybody yeah. obviously wants a healthy relationship and working um, team structure. Sorry, excuse me. But I think also if we get in the habit of being outreaching, of being warm and welcoming, that that extends automatically to the client experience. Yeah. And I, most of them, I think, want that. I don't think that they want it to the detriment of not being able to give us hard feedback if they need to. I think that there are issues potentially in, in some of those situations because there's a different level of management of the relationship. But I think our friendship internally extends externally and makes us a better partner. Yeah. Mm. I, Sorry, that was quite a jumbled way of saying that. No, I, I agree with you. Um, what do you think, however, are the pitfalls? Mm. And we'll probably do a little bit of a deeper dive there as well, but what, what do you find difficult? So is this, just to clarify, in terms of our internal or external or both? It can be both. Okay. So I 
would start with in a re in an industry like ours, which is so it's got a lot of emotion in it. Obviously, we're communicators. We could some people might say are gossipy and mm. and the, it is relationship dependent so the first thing is that people will potentially feel a certain level of either inclusion or exclusion or jealousy yeah. or anger or hurt at not being included so I think if you do have a culture that thrives on friendship you have to extend that hand of friendship at times fairly equally you have yeah. to work to to measure that a bit or else it does become unequal and that's not terribly fair mm. And within that, also when you're friends with people that you work with, you do have to evaluate them based on evidence. You yeah. can't evaluate it based on likability. Yeah. And, and I think, actually, I would say we're a really good example of that at this agency. I think yeah. there's a lot of like, but we do tackle the tough discussions when they need to happen. And that, of course, is, the, is one of the biggest pitfalls as well, is, oh, how am I going to break it to my friend that I find this dissatisfying? Or mm. again, even if it's a client to the agency, I love these people, I hang out with them, we have the best lunches and drinks and things like that. How am I going to tell them that they're not up to scratch right now? Yeah. Um, and actually, what I think is funny is, in, in some ways, those can be really bonding conversations within a friendship zone in a yeah. way that they're not if you're strictly professional. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I have to say, as someone who's been on the receiving end of some of those conversations... <laughs> Very rarely. <laughs> but even then, I think it's hugely important. And I, th I think there is sometimes a perception that... If your friend is the boss, then you don't really have to worry. But I would argue that actually you probably worry more mm. because not only are they your friend, but you you don't really you don't want to let them down. I think yeah. it's, it's actually quite exposing to be working with a very good friend. Yeah. <laughs> because my other friends who I don't work with have absolutely no idea whether I'm good at my job or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think having one of your closest friends as your boss is actually quite exposing, and I think it it means that you have to work hard every day. You're, I, I sometimes feel like I'm on trial every day. And I make, I'm making that sound like it's a burden. It's absolutely not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I'm making it sound negative. But actually, I think it's a good way of just, you know, there are times when I think, God, I'm representing Amanda. I really can't make the wrong call here. I mm. have to really, you know, think and, and be the best I can be. So I actually really like it from that perspective. Because I think sometimes we can all get into that rut at work. And I'm not saying I don't either, where, you know, everything is familiar. But at the same sure. time, I think having a friend in the business, particularly as someone senior to me, does make me really check myself yeah. at times. I have found that myself. I had my first friend boss was a woman called Maggie Squires, who I will obviously tag in this post. Um, <laughs> at Hill and Knowlton in New York way back in the day. But I remember thinking that she got the very best performance out of me yeah. because of that friendship relationship. It was, and I took it very seriously and I wanted to perform for all the right reasons. Yeah. Um, it does remind me as we speak about another pitfall, which, I, which could be that if everybody's friends, then you might have people all leave at the same time. That yeah. could affect. Yeah. I think it's great when everybody's in it together and we're all here and, and yeah. everything is happy and successful. But I think as people start to leave, yeah. that's when the leaks of information could start. You know, oh, it is better over here. I do have a higher salary. They do review faster. Not that anyone will find that. We're obviously top of the top of the charts on all of those things. Um, <laughs> but I, there are other things that are related to that. Because I remember she left and then I did quickly follow her within the, the bounds of the contract. Yeah. Because Maggie's a consummate professional as well as a friend. <laughs> wow, you're really and taking I the listener. 
Um, yeah. Actually, I did want to touch on something there from your perspective in terms of pitfalls. Um, the one thing that I am very conscious about is that we do remain quite professional. I mean, in the realms of access. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> in terms of, you know, you are privy to a lot of information, you have to make some difficult decisions. There is, there's a lot going on in your job that I have absolutely no idea about. Yeah. And I, I do wonder, is it, does it become quite lonely for you because you're also removing that level of like friendship. So if we weren't working together, that's something we could talk about just in terms of your mindset, your mindset, your frame of mind is actually what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. All of that stuff, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because as an Omnicom agency, what uh, what I have been able to do at Access is to go to something called Omnicom University, hmm. which is, uh, you know, brings in some of the best business minds around the world as well as other people within the Omnicom agencies to, to share stories and talk about these things. And one thing that they always reiterate is that the higher you go, the more lonely it becomes because you do have such confidential information that yeah. you have to sit on and a lot of decision making, which is not ideal, but it does happen in somewhat isolation. Yeah. And especially, I think, in an agency like ours where it's not surrounded by a giant board and, and right. layers and layers of hierarchies and things like that. Um, so there is a bit of loneliness, and I do think being friends with people at work, even to just be able to go and have a mm. coffee and shoot the shit mitigates yeah. that hugely, regardless of whether you're making decisions in isolation. Mm. I think another pitfall that I see, and I don't mean to be going negative on any of this, and, and I worry about it a lot with you, is that I don't want to bend your ear about work when it's inappropriate. Yeah. So I know, for example, I'll just use a very local example. A week ago, Tinny was in Barcelona, because her boyfriend completed the marathon in a very good time. <laughs> Shout out to another listener. Um, and she had some time to kill. So we were texting about something and I threw in some work things on what should have been a holiday day. And that was inappropriate of me. So there requires some self-policing on that front to not make sure that our social time and our professional time cross in a way that actually impedes work-life balance instead of helps it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I think we're quite good at that yeah in terms of just trying to separate it yeah and i think it does help that we don't because this isn't a big leadership team that we aren't privy to a lot of that of the more confidential information it it almost takes off the table immediately yeah. actually yeah. so there isn't actually anything to talk about um in that respect because it's just totally out mm. um and we're not privy to some of that information or part of that information, or we're just not privy to it, which right. I actually think is a great barrier, which means we can't talk about yeah, that, that yeah. even if we wanted to. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I would have no input, I would have no perspective on it, I would have no anything to say about it. So it's quite, I actually quite like that um, mm. barrier because it, it, it means that we're, we're totally clean. Mm. Um, but I do, one thing I did want to talk about, which you have touched on briefly, is perception right. of friendships in the workplace. Because I think there is a big perception that friendships don't work. Um, yeah. It can seem, you know, that people are getting preferential treatment and all of that stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's so... Do you have any thoughts? You don't have to. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm, as always, I'm assembling them on the fly, so I apologize to listeners for any stumbling along the way. It's, 
probably a bit repetitious, I think, to other podcasts, the core beliefs that I have and levels of equality and things like that, that I think there are so many things that you can do to police a process along the way to make sure that favoritism doesn't take place. And I think that we would also be a little bit ridiculous to pretend that it doesn't, um, if I'm being completely honest, whether people are friends at work or whether you had the most professional, um, you know, like highly self-regulated, not even self-regulated, culturally regulated environment you can imagine. Like there will be people who you take a shine to. This is why we mm. do so much in our business to try to eliminate or recognize bias. Mm. Um, so I think that that is the first thing, actually, as, as I told you, I was assembling. I am building this <laughs> airplane as I fly it in terms of my response. But it, it, it starts with, first of all, recognizing that that would be there one way or the other, that certain people are your type and certain people aren't. Yeah. But that's when you have to work very hard within yourself to, to judge work and performance and hard metrics, not the soft things about the way you feel. And I did once have a past employee who I remember not really liking on any level. In fact, really found to be quite a negative person with not great energy who I didn't like when my door was darkened. It really was like literally and metaphorically darkened. But I had to really dig because that person was a good performer mm. and a good player. And you really do have to check yourself because everything in yeah. you says, I don't, it's not an enjoyable experience. Um, and I, I guess that's just a part of, of being a good manager and making sure that you, A, keep on top of reviews, that you solicit feedback from everybody, that you bring mm -hmm. a lot of people to the table, that you listen to the other opinions about other people, that you're not working in isolation. Yeah. Mm. And I think friendships ultimately help with that, actually. Yeah. Really, because if you are going to have a discussion, it's going to be a more thought-provoking, probably interrogated thing, then again, if, if everybody were being uber professional and would probably be observing hierarchies, then it might just be like, oh, your thoughts go. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a really important point, and I would say that's a benefit to having friends, to being friends with your employees in the business, that you can have sometimes punchier conversations. Right. Still respectful. Right. But punchier conversations, because I think everyone knows where it's coming from, mm -hmm. rather than feeling like, oh, this will be misinterpreted. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of questions about the value of friendships in in, um, in an organization, in a company, uh, mainly because Amanda and I became friends at a different agency at Ketchum. Mm -hmm. And then um, we both, well, Amanda came to Access and I left Ketchum, um, went to another agency and then through Amanda and I obviously stayed in touch because we became friends. Mm -hmm. And then I came back when there was a role that really suited my skill set. And Amanda was like, I think it's the perfect role for you. And um, what made you decide to want to hire a friend slash me? Well, it was <laughs> absolutely, I, I mean, the, the real thing is I had worked with you previously and that's yeah. how you, you know, that's how we came to know each other. So I knew that you were a talented player and I always was looking for opportunities. Whenever we see talent, we obviously want to bring them into the business or in your case, bring them back. And it was the perfect role for you. Yeah. And, and at that time, there were also two other people who interviewed you and I remember one of yeah. them um, saying would you fire Tinny if you had to like if it came yeah. right down to it would you fire her and then meanly I said I'd fire her out of a cannon um, <laughs> <laughs> now you know the backstory um, great 
<laughs> yeah, but I do remember that being discussed. Mm. Like we yeah. obviously took that on board and took it seriously. But and you did go through your paces. You interviewed a lot of people at yeah. different levels. You were the perfect candidate for the job. So that is definitely a situation that was influenced by what you could do instead of who you knew. Yeah. I would say who I'm you knew sure. probably obviously opened the yeah. door, but that also happens. We cannot pretend that that's not a societal truth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then, on the flip side, <gasps> this is going to watch this one. So we talk a lot on this podcast about diversity yeah. and hiring people not like us. Right. So how does that fit into our bigger thinking of not hiring exactly the same people all the time with the same points of view? Yeah. Well, so you and I do share a lot of points of view. That is absolutely true. But our backgrounds are different. Yes. Um, and I do also think that you challenge, I think why we work so well together is because you challenge me a lot and I hope vice versa. Yeah. So I, I, I do, I guess, want to make that point. But you're absolutely right about the need to diversify the pool. And we do a lot of things here, I think, to make sure that happens by a, stating up front what we want, that we are looking for more diverse people, that yeah. we're not looking only for people that we know or people who are like us. Um, and that d- that we had a podcast on our apprenticeship program, for example, yeah. and how we work with those outside bodies and how we work with organizations like Commercial Break. And those are, in, in some ways, easier ways to tackle this. We need to be mm. much more broader reaching in our recruitment. We need to really be open-minded. We just need to make a concentrated effort to make that happen. Yeah. But well, you did say the value of, of friendships at work, and I thought you were going to go in a different direction oh. because another thing that maybe listeners don't know is that Tinny came, and then she knew mm. a very talented employee at work and then recruited one of our other most talented VPGMs, Claire Mogridge. Um, and then both of you all were able to identify another candidate who had you yeah. had worked with. So these hires also just save you so much in recruitment yeah. costs. I think you know when you're getting a sure thing. These are all hugely high-performing people in our business. Yeah. And, and I think that that is worth, you know, that's got real financial gain attached to it. Yeah. And I think part of that is also being honest. I had... Mm. You know, the people that I suggested, I suggested because I knew that they would fit into this agency, not mm-hmm. necessarily that just because they were my friends. Mm-hmm. And in fact, actually, Holly, we weren't really that close friends, but mm-hmm. I knew of her, I knew her work, and we actually didn't work together, but I knew that she would be the right person for this role. Um, but I also had other friends approach me saying, I really love Amanda, I love Ac- um, Access, mm-hmm. I'd really love to... You know, are there any jobs? Could I could I come? And you know, that was also a difficult thing for me to say. I really like you. We're friends, but this is it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't fit access. You don't fit our vibe. That's we work in a way that will drive you insane. So I think yeah. there is also an element there where you have to really dig deep and think. As much as I would want to be around this person a lot, is this going to work for me and for them? Right. Um, which I think is tricky because I think everyone thinks oh, we're mates, so we all like, work together and it's great fun. You have to be ruthless in that. You really do, because if you are going to open the door to a friend, that is your name and your reputation that has done that. So yeah. I, I guess I think it makes us more shrewd in our hiring practices to be able to do that. One thing I did want to say about diversity or people like us, what I do think is interesting about the people that, if you just take the knock-on effect of yeah. me knowing you and you and knowing Claire and you and Claire bringing in Holly, that's actually quite 
a diverse set of people insofar mm. as our approach to work, our level of expertise, how we view the world, how yeah. we see things. If we did the famous colors test or if we did a Myers-Briggs profile, each of us would be really a lot different. So whilst the experience or the origin may be the same, yeah. I think there is, I think that's an interesting pool to look at because I think there's a lot of diversity reflected in, yeah. in those people. And I think, you know, I think it works both ways. Diversity is important and we absolutely have to hire from different places, but at the same time, we also have to have a foundation where we have similar values and, and totally. similar ways of thinking. So we're not saying that everyone should come from every corner of everywhere and, yeah. and there's no commonality. Right. Um, it has to work within a business so that we can be functional and you know, have added value. Absolutely, and it needs to fit the client's requirements. At the end yeah, of the day, we're in a client service agency, so it is also matching that personality to the types of accounts that they'll, that the, the, um, the candidate will be working on, et cetera. Have you, well, you said that you did in your, your previous mm. um, agency, but have you been on the other, so you were on the other side of this then with your old boss? I was, in terms of being friends yeah. with her, yes, and that was, and I was rather junior to her at the time, um, and it was, it, she just was a very warm, extroverted personality, but a hard driver of performance. There was yeah. nothing about that, that, um, and actually, I think this is kind of what has warmed me to the whole idea of it. I could see how we could be friends on one level, but mm. that when she came in on Monday, that was business, and I had to deliver. Yeah. There was I never had any sense of entitlement about that. I didn't take that for granted once. No, I didn't either. Yeah. And I wonder if there is something in there about performance, because I think you're a hard driver of performance as well. Mm. I wonder if there is something in that that is that's attractive in a friendship as well. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I guess all relationships, you want somebody to bring out the best in you, or you yeah. want it to be additive to, to you in some way. So maybe there is something about just this being able to, to feel like, yeah, that they're, that, that, I don't know, that you're even getting feedback. How often do you get feedback in, in personal relationships? Pure play yeah. personal relationships. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. I mean, actually, some of my friends feedback. I know, and much. actually, in most um, <laughs> like romantic relationships, you get too much feedback. <laughs> it's like, all right, enough with the feedback. But yeah, I get, I guess. Yeah. Just in terms of talking about where you want to go in your life, or even having somebody sit, talk to you about your career. I mean, these yeah. are important things in our lives. So yeah. yeah. I think there is. I think there is an ease with friendships in the workplace that I like. Mm -hmm. in that you know and hopefully it's the same for you that you have someone who gets it who you can say something to and they will understand what you mean yeah <laughs> or understand your frame of reference so whether that's a joke or right. it's a creative idea or it's you know a solve to a client issue that I what I really like about a friendship in the workplace is that and maybe this is just me being lazy, <laughs> but it is easier um, to communicate sometimes. Right. I think that that is absolutely true. And that's what I really like. Right now in our agency, we're at a perfect size, I think, in a lot of ways that we can all have very friendly conversations mm. about the same things and get those references and be able to, yeah. to express ourselves clearly and as much as I have a growth state of mind and I would love to see us tilt over and become bigger there's a part of me that's like oh no stay this way forever because it's so easy mm. um, 
So I definitely see exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, actually, us talking about this, because I really thought about it in the context of you and me, but then obviously you've brought up Claire. And actually, Claire and I never talk about work when we are yeah. just out for wine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think alcohol does fuel a lot of the forgetting about work, yeah. mercifully. <laughs> Why um, we love it. Yeah, mm. and Claire and I are on the, sa- at the same level, so it's not that even we couldn't if we yeah. didn't. If, like, we're privy to the same information, we do the same, we work on a similar accounts. Um, but yeah, we, we don't really. Yeah, it's just one of the things that really makes me... First of all, in the days where I come skipping home from work, it usually is because our banter was hilarious. Yeah. People were getting along. We had like some amazing milestone that we celebrated together. I take a lot of pride in the fact that a lot of us have attended the weddings of other yeah. people, or we know the kids the, of yeah. the access parents. And there's just a lot of warmth in that culture. And those are the days where I think we've had a really good day. And I think also in the face of bad news, what I love about Access, I think this agency does better than anywhere I've ever worked, is when that happens, we come together in a way that is like very like, um, super supportive, really funny, uh, endlessly sarcastic as always. We just seem to really be able to raise our game and support each other when bad news has happened. So oftentimes I will come home proud of the culture on a day that has otherwise, excuse me, gone sideways. Yeah. And I think friendship, again, is a huge part of that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of tagging on Instagram out of hours. Yeah, there is, which I love. I love seeing those at home unless I'm being an absolute loser. And then I'm like, oh, God, look at the world having fun and me on my couch. Um, And WhatsApp groups to discuss EastEnders. Exactly. And what I would say on that front, because I can imagine that there might be some people listening who think that this is a bogus idea. Like, oh, my God, how could you have this level of of friendship or favoritism? I'd like to say that as GM, I am on none other than the EastEnders WhatsApp group. Mm of which I'm a vocal contributor, and that will be our next podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm on none of that. Like, I'm excluded from quite a lot of stuff as yeah, the boss. I'm and sure that I is, am that is ex- exclusion by yeah. other people. I'm keen and open to any invites, and I don't say that in a way of poor me. I'm just saying that I think one of people's first objections would be like, oh, my God, you can't have that kind of relationship with the boss. But it's like, most people don't want it. Well, I, think, <laughs> I also think our agency think you, you know, are... Uh, probably doing much cooler things. I'm she's, really not. She's not. I'm not. She's watching you said this. I got a new that. couch. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. Um, I hope so. I, I assume that's why I also haven't been invited to some of these WhatsApp groups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's I too true. am doing very cool things. We're both just so sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we're the only ones chatting on the EastEnders group. <laughs> <laughs> and the entire team is out right now being like, their podcasting so as we do with all our podcasts we like to end with just three tips for someone Mm. who is thinking of employing a Mm -hmm. friend or perhaps even a friend who has been approached by another friend another friend what would you say oh that's very good three tips to leave on I'll start with somebody thinking of employing a friend. My main tip would be to include as many people in that decision as possible so that you start off by eliminating this sense of any kind of preferential treatment. But then really listen to and take on board the feedback that you get from others. And I would say that in any hiring decision, the more minds on it, the better. So that would be my number one tip there. Um, 
for somebody who's received a request from a friend, I just think it's, or a request, a solicitation, whatever you want to call it, I would recommend just interrogating that decision, mm -hmm. making sure that if you're the person looking at that, that role, that that role is a good fit, fit, that that agency is a good fit, that it isn't maybe somebody who just wants a friend. Um, and I don't mean to go against anything that we've said here. I don't think that that is often the motivation, but it, it's just making sure that you as a friend don't feel pressure to accept something that's not right because it has yeah. been extended to you from somebody that you like and admire and respect, etc. I was going to say love. Oh, Amanda. I know. Is this going to be the time when you tell me you love me the first time? It is. In, In front, front of, of everybody. Audience. Wow. <laughs> um, nice try. You've got one more. Oh. God, see? Do you see about what I said about challenging? Um, so another tip. I'm thinking for somebody who's employing a friend. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off-piste and just say my other tip would be that I think that anybody in a professional relationship who feels like they have a friendship connection with somebody but that hasn't been made, I would go ahead and extend that, I, I don't care for this phrase so much, but hand of friendship. I would invite mm. somebody out for a drink. I would go ahead and try to make that happen. Where are you headed for lunch? I'll walk with you. Um, because I think it's often appreciated by people on both sides. And mm. I will now name check another person. When I first moved to this country um, and I was working at another Omnicom agency, I, a very junior, very new hire, I think she was a grad, came up to me and said, would you like to have a drink? And I thought it must have been so bold for her because it wasn't that I was super senior, but I was an associate director. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, yeah. God, there's a big age difference and a level difference. And it is so lovely that this person has asked me to go have this drink. And we are still friends to this day as well. And she's somebody who has sort of cycled in and out of Omnicom agencies where we've been able to exchange, you know, war stories or advice or whatever other things. So I, I would say go ahead and take the chance and make that friendship happen because life's too short. We shouldn't just be walking around like stuffed suits. Well, thank you very much, my friend Amanda. Thank you, my friend Tinny. <laughs> Um, as always, if anyone has any questions or any opinions on our friendship or your own personal friendships, <laughs> or if you would like to invite us out for a drink, your friendships up. <laughs> You're not friends. Um, then please do tweet us at accesslun. That's access L O N, and we will definitely reply to you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.